0: This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. in the
1: 21st century Hard-working people working hard for
0: moving iron podcast markets with chip nellinger this edition of the moving iron podcast is brought to you by axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years for more information go to axontire.com chip
2: does it get cold in illinois in the wintertime it uh there's a strong tendency strong seasonal tendency for uh cold temperatures you knew when it was 60 degrees on christmas day that we were going to pay for it eventually yeah and i think you're probably getting ready to have have a
0: little taste of that do you like to keep your hands warm in the wintertime chip uh when i'm outside i, I definitely uh, do well if you want a free pair of dare skin gloves go ahead and email marketing at axontire.com and the good folks at Axon Tire will send you a free pair of deer skin work gloves to uh, help you through those cold january days so might take advantage of that chip
2: i think I'd, i needed those yesterday when i was digging <laughs> out of the uh, mini blizzard we had yeah, a little bit of snow came through the area. So if you're interested in a free pair of gloves
0: uh, from Axon Tire, go to marketing at axontire.com, and they will uh, send you a pair over. So Valley Transportation has been hauling ag equipment, ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. Of Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at Axon, not Axon, agdirect.com. Learn more about your financial options at agdirect.com. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing out of Morton, Illinois, and it's kind enough to come on once a week and talk about what's going on in the market. So, Chip, happy new year. Hope you had a good holiday season.
2: Hey, happy new year, Casey. It uh, was very relaxing and uh, kicking the new year off with a little bit of volatility here. So, uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting Month of January, uh, weather market full-blown. Got the crop report coming out on the 12th. Got some outside market volatility. A little bit of everything. And uh, started off the first trading day of the year yesterday with some very choppy action. Kind of unexpected action to a lot of people with corn and uh, wheat getting beat up a little bit. In spite of uh, a really kind of a threatening forecast in uh, southern Brazil and uh, across Argentina.
0: Yeah, that was the... uh I didn't I paid attention but I didn't pay attention that last, you know, couple of weeks there but towards the end of the end of the year um and there was just as much volatility going into uh you know New Year's Eve as there was um, any other time of the year if not more and like you talked about, you know, it kind of spilled over into the first year and there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty out there right now. You you can take a look at the Omicron virus and, and you got drought and you've got um, you know situations down in in Brazil you know it's it's dry in one place and flooding in the other so I mean there's all kinds of craziness happening right now I guess as you kind of overlook like you just mentioned you know we're right right smack dab in another weather market again Um, or I don't know if we really ever stopped being in the weather market but I guess as you take a look at all these factors that are playing in I mean what are some of your thoughts as you take a look at this you know, first part of January heading to the to the real big. I mean, this this crop report on the twelfth is going to be a big, a big market mover one way or the
2: other. Uh, it is. It uh, probably most importantly, it's going to give us our final yield numbers, mm-hmm. and uh, then from there you can kind of work into it backwards. Um, you know, to see what the carryout's going to be. A lot of evidence the last few months that uh, USDA is too low on ethanol demand. So some people thinking they're going to bump up ethanol demand. Uh, Back of my mind, and I am uh, a very poor predictor of what the USDA uh, is going to do, so uh, don't put uh, much weight on this. But I would think that uh, as dry as corn got at the end, you know, we had a last 20, 30 percent, maybe more of harvest. People were harvesting corn at, you know, 14 percent moisture. We had a lot of down corn kind of across the I-80 corridor, particularly in Illinois, and uh, so it wouldn't be a stretch for me to think that they could maybe shave the corn yield back just a little bit. I think they're probably close on bean yields. You're going to have updates of world numbers. You're going to have a wheat planted acreage number. So a lot of information to drive us. That's, uh, you know, a week and a half out. And between now and then, um, you know, the weather really is starting to matter now. And, and I wouldn't have put money on a back-to-back major drought um, you know, in South America, particularly southern Brazil, but La Nina is still, uh, you know, very much in effect, and and it does look like they've got some problems down there. A lot of private forecasters are already ratcheting back their production uh, in Brazil, so anywhere from 8 to 10-plus million metric tons and counting. Uh, still going to be a big crop, but the month of January, if they don't get much more rain, those uh, estimates are going to continue to head south and, you know, the lower they go, that just means more potential uh, export business for us eventually, less for Brazil uh, to put out. Uh, don't want to say that uh, they won't have a crop. There's right now a lot of people thinking that even though you've ratcheted back production, they're still looking at, you know, around a record crop. But the next uh, three or four weeks are going to probably uh, tell more of that uh, tale. And unless they get some rain, that, that production number is going to shrink. And uh, it's just become. Uh, a very interesting uh, situation. The corn market, obviously the bean market has kind of taken over the leadership role, as it should. Uh, Corn market uh, seems a little bit heavy. It's torn between uh, kind of a sell-off we've seen in wheat and a rally in beans, and corn doesn't know what to do. But eventually, if this dry weather continues into uh, late January and into February, the corn market's going to get much more nervous about the potential for the brazil second crop corn to be affected by these drought conditions too possibly planting i mean it's dry enough that you know that could affect planting and if they get it in the ground then and it stays dry into february march that could affect production uh, as well and just be something that uh, becomes wildly dynamic in in corn but right now it's more about uh, bean situation and uh, beans have taken over kind of a leadership role to the upside here so Going to be uh, an interesting month of January, and you mentioned that crop report being a big part of that. So uh, this volatility is going to ramp up, not that it hasn't uh, been there already. You know, we've seen some big, crazy swings intraday. Um, it seems, you know, kind of a head-turning volatility right now, but it's probably going to increase here in the next couple of weeks. Yep.
0: All right, so so one other thing I want to make sure we hit on here, and this kind of, uh, you know, we're about two, three weeks past the uh, – um, the big weather event we had down in Kansas and Oklahoma with the high winds, uh, the dust and stuff that are blowing, and the ambient temperature and relative humidity and those kind of things when that all took place, you know, some 100-mile-an-hour winds across there, and, and then you throw, you know, just a, a, a really bitter freeze on top of that. Um, the hard red winter wheat um, the next couple of weeks could really play a big factor in what you, what we see happening right now, pricing. So I guess what's your thoughts there?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, the the eternal battle between uh, fundamentals and uh, and technicals on the chart, and the technicals are winning right now. You kind of have uh, a lot of aggressive uh, fund and and chart based selling, and uh, kind of triggered a head and shoulders top, which would um, you know forecast much lower prices. But on top of that, you have fundamental uh, friendly uh, conditions. You you talked about there how much damage was done from that uh, that that windstorm event. Um, you know, there was a little bit of snow in some areas. Uh you know, is there enough snow cover to protect against some of these uh you know bitter freezing temperatures? And so I don't think we've heard the last of uh, potential damage for the Kansas wheat crop in particular, but uh unfortunately it seems like the uh the charts are in control right now and the funds are you know building up a short position Uh, in wheat based on uh, the chart and the technicals being a little bit negative. Uh, To that, I would add that sometimes um, in this type of environment with so much volume and and volatility and, you know, algo trading that sometimes those old classic chart patterns um, don't have as much follow through as they used to. So I could see a case there where you get everybody bared up because of this big head and shoulders and, uh-oh, we had some damage in Kansas and, you know, the winter kill problems and, you know, go roaring back the other way and, and put another rally in, in the wheat market. That's kind of how the wheat market operates and a very vicious, hard-to-predict uh, market with a mind of its own. And, and if that happens, if you stabilize the wheat market uh, at the same time it stays dry in South America, I think that really uh, flips over and, and uh add some some strength to the corn market uh, as well and going off on a real tangent here Casey if you look at kind of spread activity you knock on the door 1290 new crop beans can't even break uh, north of uh, uh, 550 on new crop corn if you're sitting there in the I States listening to this you're saying well, I'm gonna plant corn right but uh, if you're sitting in the I States you, you, you probably also have a real strong possibility and in, in sitting on some ground that can you know raise 220 to 250 bushel corn but uh, in the areas that uh, you know you're talking 180 190 bushel corn potential beans are winning the battle right now i gonna pick up a lot of acres and unless something changes so you throw that into the mix and uh, just a lot of uncertainty driving things here uh, in this new year we haven't even talked about the outside markets yet right and that's the
0: outside market thing is there's a lot of money flowing in and out of those markets uh, here lately. I mean, there's a lot of just constantly moving around and, and talk about volatility. What we see on the commodity side is one thing, but we're seeing on the uh, outside market side for volatility is dramatically higher than what we've seen what we're seeing right now. So, a lot of things to pay attention to on that front for sure. All right, let's bounce down and talk about what's going over in the proteins um, right now. Um, you know. Wholesale beef, you know, box beef, those kind of things has really um, kind of settled up there a little bit. We kind of saw some dramatic fall off there at the end. Um, You know, Biden's talking about, uh, you know, fighting fair prices um, with some different programs they have out there. And and they're talking about some payments and those kind of things to offset some losses for um, poultry and um, beef uh, producers. So I guess as you take a look at what's going on there, what are your thoughts?
2: Oh my goodness! What are my thoughts? I I, I think that uh, obviously, I'm I'm cynical. Uh, not that there doesn't need to be more uh, competitive, open, free market. Maybe on the on the packing side of the equation, you've seen a lot of smaller, independent, um, uh, you know, packers try to enter the market here the last couple of years. More over the next year, eighteen months, that's good to open those markets up. When you start getting the government involved, I get uh, You know, uh, just cynical that uh, a lot of times when the government tries to uh, intervene, it winds up, uh, end result, uh, bottom line, making it uh, worse than it was before they uh, opened their mouths. Uh, So that's uh, a fear that I have. uh, But, you know, anytime you can talk about uh, more competitive, uh, free, open, capitalistic, uh, non-monopolistic markets... It's a good thing, right? That's uh, I'm a free market guy. Uh, at the <laughs> At the heart of it, uh, the pork side of the equation, you know, this California nonsense uh, market, uh, the hog market, the pork market, uh, trying to sift through that and find out what that means, and and uh, I think that's still the jury's still out. Obviously, increasing, uh, you know, that increases costs, and then t- you know, to to that point, you know, you start getting the government involved, and uh, you have effects that typically aren't well thought out to begin with and uh oftentimes it causes more problems than what they're trying to fix and uh, i guess in the environmental size that's fine and good but if uh if you're a hog producer uh, out uh, west it uh just you know changed your your world right, right. i mean it just yeah. you know almost doubled your uh your cost and, and, uh, competitiveness. And so the, the hog market still sifting through It's going to take some time to figure out what that means. There's people saying, oh, it's all, oh, you're almost going to have two different types of, uh, of pork markets now, you know, the, the stuff that follows with that proposition in California, the stuff that doesn't. And so, you know, a lot of changes happened in there. And, uh, at the heart of the matter, I, you know, I've thought for a while and, You know, again, it's this is just big picture, and my two cents that uh, the livestock sector, I think, is set for good things in the first half uh, of 2022 Uh, across the board. You know, I think the the feedlot side, um, you know, is obviously going to battle higher feed costs in here, but you know, I I think things are going to look good. I think you're going to start shrinking supply a little bit here as you get deeper into uh, the first quarter. Uh, I think the uh, you know massive amount of cow slaughter that we've had is going to you know, start affecting the uh, feeder cattle market, cow market, kind of, uh, you know, help uh, breathe a little bit of uh, relief into the cow-calf guy this year. And I think the hog market's set for, uh, you know, a decent year. You look out there at the summer months and you're, you know, you're already over 90 in the summer months. I mean, second year in a row. I mean, so uh, yes, higher feed costs, but uh, we've got some pretty decent pricing out there with, uh, you know, spring and summer cattle north of 140 and Spring, uh, you know, late spring, early summer hogs north of ninety. Things are looking uh, pretty good out there, and I think they can, you know, continue to see an upswing into, uh, uh, you know, the first part of this calendar year. Yep. Yeah,
0: a lot of a lot of moving parts out there, and, and you know, to your point, I don't know too many times the government stepped in and made something better. Um, so it's it's a uh, especially uh, recently. Yeah, um, it's been a struggle here of late for sure.
2: And I've rambled on a lot, Casey. I I think something that's important, uh, the first two trading sessions of this new year, you've seen uh, treasury bonds have uh, a big move lower. That's inversely related to interest rates. So interest rates start the new year off higher. That's really put a rally in in the U.S. dollar. Uh, So that speaks directly to inflation, right? The Federal Reserve has said that over the next uh, year or so, they're going to have two to three uh, interest rate increases. The, the bond market to start the new year is uh, is kind of hinting that that's the way they're leaning. So if that continues, if that's a trend that's just starting, and interest rates are going to rise, that's going to be, you know, bring strength to the dollar, and that could throw a little cold water on this inflation thing. But you know, there's a lot, tons of money flowing in and out of of um, uh, you know out of equities into commodities. That's yet to be played out. So the next uh, couple of weeks are going to be interesting to see how much money flows into the commodity sector. Yep.
0: Yeah, and that's where that volatility starts to play into all that. You know, there's just the more money that flows in, uh, you know, the more chance for volatility that we're going to see, and which, which is a good thing. You know, volatility opens up the market to, uh, to profitability. So it'll be interesting to watch this, especially after the report comes out on the 12th, how much, what the money flow looks like. So a lot of things to pay attention to.
2: For sure. It, uh, it's going to get... Uh going to get uh, more interesting uh, i believe and more volatile and you know we talk about it all the time more important to have have a plan uh you know inputs have gone up still profitable levels out there nothing like we saw last year for the 21 crop uh, but it makes you know makes it much more important to to have a risk management plan be ready to execute it and be uh, ready for the volatility that we know is coming to position yourself uh for profitability it's it's possible. It's getting harder, and uh, you got to have a plan. Otherwise, you're going to get chewed up by this volatility. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And if folks are working on that plan, Chip, what's the best way to get a hold of you and, and your compadres over there at uh, Blue River Ag Marketing?
2: Yeah, best way is just give us a call directly at uh, our office three zero nine five five zero seven two one three. All right, Chip, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. You bet. Thanks for having me on,
0: Casey. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com for the latest information on the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee. That'll be September Uh, 6th through the 8th at the uh, Hilton downtown Nashville. So if you're interested in checking that out, pay attention to the website for more information. I'll have that uh, pretty much wrapped up here this weekend, so you'll have all that up there as well. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go to some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful, competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley has over 33 years in the trucking business, moving ag and construction equipment across the country. For more information, go to valleytransinc.com or give Parker a call at 800-657-4910. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours.
1: in the 21st century Hardware you will